and welcome to the first episode of A Youthful Take, a political podcast. I'm your host, Jack Salford. And I'm Sam Greenberg. And we are going to take you through a recap of current events from the past week. Um, we'll kick it off right here with Ron DeSantis announced he's running for president through a Twitter live stream he did with Elon Musk. Very good look for Ron. That's exactly how you do it. That's exactly how it's done. Good job. <laughs> well, uh, the live stream crashed multiple times, which is, I will say it's unfortunate for Ron here. Um, not a great start to his campaign, but he still has a lot of popularity because he's entering the race as the governor of Florida, and he's got a lot of support there. Um, on top of that, me and Sam have discussed this before. We don't think he's really going to win. We don't think he has a chance against Trump. However, with the whole indictment going on with Trump, you know, you never know what's going to happen. This election is going to be kind of up in the air. So his nomination is possible, but unlikely because of Trump, of course. Um, to jump into some global sports news, Champions League final happened the other day. Um, very sad for Inter Milan fans. Like myself. Like Jack, self-proclaimed Inter Milan fan. Um, just quick re- recap of the game. Very enjoyable, huge for Man City, even though their their ethics are questionable with all the money and all the spending. But uh, yeah, but very good for them. Um, fortunately, Lukaku, Lukaka, Lukaka, not great from Lukaka. Uh, we saw the same thing in the World Cup. Could not put away the chances next to goal. Upsetting for them, but very exciting game. Great watch. He just can't clutch up in the clutch. No, he cannot. Uh, moving on, probably one of the biggest headlines of maybe this year. Trump is being indicted. Surprise, surprise. El Presidente might go to jail. Uh, he, if you don't know, he held federal documents at his Mar-a-Lago home. And it's kind of common for presidents to, you know, they send out thousands of boxes. One of them's bound, so due to have a federal document in it. Very due. But what happens is... They usually, they figure it out, and they immediately call the archives, and they send it back. Not for your boy Trump here. Uh, <laughs> Trump, Trump saw these documents, and then he went on months and months of obstructing justice and attempting and, you know, violating laws to not return these documents and keep them. And so uh, he's being indicted on this. His former attorney general, Bill Barr, has condemned him. And even through all this, we, we still think he's the favorite to come out of the GOP here to run against the incumbent Biden. I mean, that's just because he's going to claim innocence over and over again to his whole witch hunt spiel, even though, like, his base believes it. I don't know who else believes it, but his base yeah, is mean, pretty large in the Republican Party. I, I don't know if it's going to hurt him that much in the primaries. I, I think, think he'll still get the nomination, yeah. unless I, he's in jail, of course. I don't think there's literally a way his base strays away from him. Remember when he said, like, I could walk down Fifth Avenue and shoot someone, they'd still love me? I think that's actually very true. <laughs> There's no way they, they leave their guy now because they don't want to admit that they are Yeah, at wrong. this point, you can't, if you're a Trump supporter in 2023, you can't admit you're wrong. It's just, that's not an option. So anyone that's still on his Trump train is not, not getting off. Um, more global news. The world stage, Russia and Ukraine war continues after more than... A year and three months now, very long time. Um, recently, Ukraine and President Zelensky have 
uh, began a counterattack on the Russians. So they're going into the eastern region of the country, like the Don, Donetsk, Donetsk region and the Donbass. And they're trying to reclaim a lot of the villages and towns that were lost to the Russians in the early months of the war. And it's been somewhat successful. I'd say pretty successful. They've re recaptured maybe five villages as of today, which is what's Saturday, no, Monday, the 12th. Um, so at this point, when you look at Putin, it doesn't seem like, I don't know what they're accomplishing. They're wasting, men are dying, they're wasting billions of dollars on the war, and they're not capturing Kiev. So it seems, obviously, I don't know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to Putin's head, but it seems more of an ego fight than anything else at this point. Yeah, and, um... That rounds up the quick recap of news this week. Uh, disclaimer actually ahead for our interview. Yeah, our interview There's, is pre-recorded. We recorded it before this, so it's... Um, yeah, and recorded it with kind of a bum mic. It's, uh, there's a lot of echo in it. You'll definitely notice that, but please take a listen to it. it I think it's really informative and helpful. We, we interviewed... Actually, I don't want to spoil him. it. Yeah. We'll introduce him when you listen to it. We'll see you when we come back. Brian Van Riper, former U.S. Marine, veteran of the Iraq War, and founder of Method Campaigns. Welcome, Brian, to our podcast, our inaugural episode of our podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Jack. I appreciate it. Of course. Um, we'll start it off. What, what got you into politics? You know, uh, when you first showed me this question three minutes ago, I've been racking my brain pondering that question. And I think two things, really. I think two things um, that I'm not sure if every kid in the world has access to. But one, I had a paper delivery route in fifth and sixth grade. And I recognize there's now child labor laws that probably prevent that. But what it forced me to do every day is walk and drop off newspapers in a like suburban area outside of Boston. And inherently it caused me to read the newspaper. And I really recommend that to uh, most everyone is read the newspaper. Um, now, you can read it online. I'm, I've now the uncle. Um, have you guys heard about this Twitter? Uh, I, read, I have. I've uh, heard about Twitter. I read Twitter a lot, and that's where I get most of my news nowadays. Now, it's not quite as um, uh, journalistically rigorous, perhaps, <laughs> as a newspaper, but yeah. it, it's accomplishing the same things for me. And uh, I recommend reading the paper from an early age. And two, my dad was on like the local planning commission where we grew up, and I remember he had books sitting around the house of different people. and so. The former Speaker of the House in the 1980s, this guy Tip O'Neill, uh, a very interesting character. He famously cut deals with Ronald Reagan that provided billions and billions of dollars for his district. Um, I read Tip O'Neill's book called All Politics is Local, and I think that's a good read for, for folks. So, All Politics is Local. Good book. All right. Um, what is your current political affiliation? Uh, Democrat, and I guess I'd specify... Um, kind of moderate Democrat. I, I feel in some ways like the world has passed me by. Uh, uh, I just say, let's get some deals done. It's like, you know, let's let, let's just try to make everything run, run a little better, you know? And uh, so much of politics nowadays feels kind of performative also on Twitter, so. Yep. How did you transition from the Marines to running campaigns? What did that process? It wasn't instantaneous. Um, 
after the Marines, I started going to college, and that was in 2004, and in 2004, I volunteered for the John Kerry campaign for president. Um, he, he, he didn't win it, um, but in two, uh, from volunteering, it led to my next thing where I got my first paid job in politics in 2005. In 2006, actually, this is a Brentwood podcast, right? It's Brent, yeah. Brentwood-centric. My job I guess. in 2006 was to phone Arnold Schwarzenegger, who I oh, believe wow. is a Brentwood He's a Brentwood father. Yeah. Resident. Is well, he a father? father. Yeah. His kids went to Brentwood. It was my job to follow him around with a video camera, which is like an iPhone. And I would follow him up and down the state, uh, trying to catch... Um, in those days, the job was called Tracker. And when he was governor? Uh, when he was governor running for re-election, I think? Yeah, in 06. And I, um, no, I'm sorry, this is when he was first running. And I remember driving down, uh, I think it's Melrose in like Hollywood. And there, I don't know if it's still there, but the, there's this kind of three apartment buildings that are about like five or six stories tall. And on one of the buildings, it had like the photos of the Beatles. One of the buildings had a photo of like maybe Elvis. And then the third building in five stories tall was Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm like, man, maybe we're not gonna this guy and the uh, governator yeah but I fogged around uh, the, the premise of that activity was like people mess up and they say something stupid and um, he was actually a very disciplined campaigner perhaps from having 30 some 40 some odd years in public spotlight he just kind of didn't mess up and didn't say the wrong things off the cuff so hmm. yeah all right um so currently you run Method Campaign. So what is Method Campaigns and what is its purpose and goals? Yeah, it's a company I started in 2010. Um, and its uh, purpose and goals is to make me money. Is, is the, it's a good purpose and goal. Is the pure intention there. Um, I, so you go in your career and you, know, you work uh, in different capacities. And I just came to a tipping point where I was like, all right, I can go out and sign clients. I'm going to open my own company and work for myself. And I did that. And, you know, the, the, I, I joke it's to make money. I mean, we, we really only work for Democrats, um, but like half of our work is also for um, like developers or uh, what's called land use entitlement. So driving over here today, I saw a few billboards on Sunset. Um, I work for some of those companies on occasion. Um, I've worked for the Los Angeles Clippers when they were building their new stadium in Inglewood. I worked for Universal Studios um, when their Harry Potter um, uh, redevelopment was going on. And so we'd reach out to the community for Universal and get the community feedback. Um, so uh, at one point I worked for about a quarter of the LA City Council, members of Congress. I worked for President Obama and then President Biden. Uh, in different capacities, and so um, it's it's the company I set up to uh, you know facilitate that. So very cool. That kind of leads to the next question. Are there any like well-known electeds that you have worked for? I just mentioned a couple presidents. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, over the years, I worked for uh, I believe another Brentwood father, Rick Caruso, uh, when he was trying not on his mayoral campaign. But trying to basically build the Grove in San Diego. Um, yeah. uh, so some of the others. Um, I worked at one point for the one-time council member, I think, for the West Side, Mike Vaughn, in uh, on like a homeless project. Um, yeah, I, I worked for several members of the State Assembly, Congress. Um, 
probably, you know, if I was pulled the client roster, um, it would probably be like a hundred different names. Um, Congressman Sherman, uh, I, I believe reps a good, uh, now a chunk of the West Side, so several congressional members uh, in different capacities. And what we actually specialize in is like field campaigns. So the person to person uh, kind of interactions and give you background. Some of the first jobs I had in politics was doing that. In, uh, then in 2007, I moved to Iowa to work for Barack Obama, and I just observed that the way they did it in Iowa was quite different than here. And um, it, it was a very well-funded campaign, and so I took some of the tactics I observed there and brought it back here and started my own company. But um, yeah, uh, every cycle now we work for like three or four people running for office, and typically now it's more like people in swing districts. So LA, there's not really any swing seats here, maybe up in the northern part of the county, up in like Palmdale, Lancaster, but um, I work in places like Bakersfield or Orange County has a lot of swing districts. So I'll typically work in those kind of places. Cool. All right, and then building off that, what would you say your biggest win in the business and your biggest loss in the business has been? Well, you know, so much of it's like, uh, a little bit it's like sports, you know, it's like sometimes like a team gets to the NBA Finals and then gets swept. But yeah, this year's Miami Heat, I would say, is a success story. That's success. Eight seed, all the way to the finals. All man. the way to the finals. Now, if they go out after having won one game, is anybody going to say, I was Jimmy Butler? So maybe, Sam, I hate to answer your question with like almost another question, but it's, hey, what's the definition of success or, or losing? It's all, it's expectations. Um, so sometimes when I work for clients who uh, should have won, people start asking questions and scratching their head. Um, my Boston Celtics, great team, but a lot of people are asking what the heck's wrong with the Boston yeah. Celtics this year. Um, the Bruins. The Bruins, now the, well, well said, Jack. Um, uh, well, no, not so much. <laughs> You know, that's okay, but that's an interesting conversation. So life is perhaps about expectations. Maybe in Brentwood, some of the kids' parents work in the film industry, we'll say, right? And sometimes there's products that just, they make a bunch of money, but they didn't make as much money as they were expected. So what's a, what's a win? Um, so uh, I'd say probably one of my favorite kind of overperformances was um, I worked for an LA City Council member who got elected named Joe Buscaino. Um, Joey B? Joey B. And, you know, he was in a field of 12 and kind of came out of nowhere and, and won and became the council member. Um, you know, similarly, it wasn't cool to work for Joe Biden in, what was it, like 2019 or something like that? You know, all the, all the kids wanted to go work for somebody else. And uh, my, my, you know, my whole perspective then was, geez, we gotta beat Trump. Like, who can actually beat Trump? And my hunches had, uh, and what was, if say Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders busted through that Dem primary, I think Trump might have gotten reelected. And so I, I viewed it as my civic duty to go work for Joe Biden because I, for a variety of reasons, I thought he could come in and win places like Pennsylvania or Michigan that I think Elizabeth Warren would have got swept out. So. Um, yeah, I was very proud of working on that. Um, I don't know, you know, biggest losses. Uh, we, we don't talk about the losses. So, uh, next exactly. question. Um, how do you feel about the upcoming election cycle? Uh, Trump's been indicted. Who emerges from the GOP? 
but what do you see happening there? You know, I I, I believe it or not, a few Republican friends, and we love to just talk smack back and forth on text or elsewhere. And so immediately, one of the most rabid Republicans I know, who's a dying little Trump supporter, texts me, and she's like, "Oh, Trump's getting the nomination." And that seems counterintuitive, perhaps, to like your question, but I think she's kind of right. Like, you know, the game theory of um, now, can he, let's say he's in. I, I don't know how this is all going to play out legally, right? Let's say hypothetically, ninety days from now, he's literally in prison. Which maybe it's possible, maybe it's not. I don't know. But like, is he still able to run? I don't know. Let's assume he's able to run. The game theory on all this is if Trump is sitting at like forty percent, let's say there were like two other candidates. Okay, well maybe there's enough space for Ron DeSantis to pop through and get forty-one or something like that. But if there's twelve other candidates. That's all going to get cut up, and maybe DeSantis' ceiling becomes 22%. So, like, I think if things stay the same in the Republican primary, it's probably going to be Trump, I guess. Um, do you guys disagree? Push back. Talk to me. I agree. I totally think Trump's going to get the nomination. Yeah. Yeah, and then lose. And then I agree, and then he just lost one before, and, like, I think he's gone from, like, bad to worse in public opinion. Um, but... My gut is kind of this, and then based on what I'm reading, the U.S. Justice Department doesn't prosecute this stuff unless they're gonna win. They they hate to lose. Yeah, they're gonna. They're, I think they're gonna indict him. That he's gonna he's gonna go to jail. But I think he gets the nomination, right? But I don't think there's a way he beats Biden because. Well, there's the next question: Is Biden too old? I don't know. I'll tell you what. Our economy is trending in the right direction. Uh, I think Vladimir Putin said he would test Biden. He's regretting that decision. Um, I, I think America is on the way up. And, uh, you know, people have been counting on Joe Biden his whole life. You know, ever since he had a lisp when he was a teenager, people used to try to pick on Joe Biden. But Joe Biden's a fighter. And uh, I think he's still got some more fight in him, Sam. <laughs> Uh, wait, so, alright, here's the other thing. Uh, you asked about this upcoming election. Here's one other thing about the Republican primary that I don't think people are saying that I think is interesting. I think Republicans, you guys ever heard the phrase, like, people are always fighting the last war? Like, that, mm -hmm. yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like military tactics. But I think it's also true here. Aside from Trump, I think those other 12 folks running for the Republican primary, they're fighting the last war where they saw a reality TV star burst on the scene and just say this over-the-top stuff. And their consultants and their teams are going, okay, we have to say over-the-top stuff that's not based in reality. But they, don't, they can't do that because they're not Trump. So they're, you know, a congressman member or the former governor or something like that. They're still kind of held in that, in that space. And so I feel like they're fighting the last war kind of on Twitter and elsewhere. But they don't, they're not pulling it off. And I think America is also trending a little bit away from like, I think a lot of Americans are just over that, that stuff. I think America elected a Biden who ain't playing that game. Like he ain't on Twitter, you know, he's, he's just getting deals done. Um, and I think it's gonna trend that way. I think Americans are a little tired of just being in stupid fights. I hope, I think, but I hope. So uh, we'll see. Okay. So uh, we just talked about kind of the popular elections, presidential. Mm. Yeah. Um, how about kind of local? How about the upcoming LA, California political races? 
could talk about city council, senate, shift. What's going on there? What's going on there? Um, I guess we'll go hyper local. Is like the big issue has been, and I suspect will continue to be homelessness, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Angelinos have a complicated relationship with homelessness. I think we drive around and we see it and we know we don't like it. Um, the phrase that I've used a little bit over the last several years that I think still rings true is, I think folks in LA have uh, want what's called compassionate enforcement. I think they drive by, I'll tell you, I have a five-year-old daughter who drive by a, a, a 10 tents, a homeless encampment, and she starts asking questions, like detailed questions. She's wondering what's going on. She recognizes that's not the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've had very liberal policies that have allowed some of those encampments to, to sit like that, and maybe the word could be festering. Because people are dying in these tents every day. I, I heard one stat that something like three homeless persons die every day. Um, so, I think we recognize the people in those tents, drug addicted, suffering mental illness, like just aren't aren't doing it. Like we need to do better. And you know, there are now options where they can go into like secure camping facilities with security guards and bathrooms and that kind of thing. And people are still not, or other, um, there's other facilities where you know you have to have a curfew and you can't be doing drugs. Um, people in some cases are making choices still to be on the street and I think we're going to hit a tipping point where um, we continue to want to see more enforcement both to, to frankly get these encampments off the corner but get these people into the help that they need and um, we're seeing it in different ways like the metro system we have spent billions upon billions of dollars building out our metro and the fact that um, it's a violent place that's unsafe for women is, is a real challenge um, so I think you're going to see a continued interest in continuing to clean up the streets. Um, then uh, that that will permeate in different ways in, into politics in LA. And um, so I wouldn't be shocked if we can. You know, there's a pendulum that typically swings back and forth in politics. And I think in like 2020, um, you know, it kind of swung very progressive. And I think um, that was kind of the high watermark of those kind of politics, and I think it's going to swing back. And I think I would, uh, my personal feeling is we'll see uh, more moderates um, continue to win races. Like our, our district attorney, George Gascon, mm-hmm. is polling at something like 20, 25%. Um, so we'll see if somebody who kind of comes in, you know, I don't think like a right winger, I don't think or even an average Republican could win LA. In LA, that would, yeah. yeah. That would Democrat, it's just kind of like, of course we have laws, and of course we need to enforce them. I think it's kind of the sweet spot of who could get elected. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's three or four people who are running for that seat. Um, so we'll see, you know, half the LA City Council will be up, and then uh, there's also a lot of seats in the State Assembly that are up this year, and um, those typically play out a little bit differently. Um, those are kind of almost in some ways more below the radar than City Council, and um, uh, then Adam Schiff's seat, uh, there's five strong candidates, maybe a total of 10 candidates running, and uh, yeah, it, it, we'll, we'll see what happens there. So, did I answer your question? Yeah. Moderate. Good answer right there. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's also me hoping, because I'm a moderate, but I don't know. I think there's truth <laughs> to it. Um, and then, a little more specific on the Senate side of things, mm. with Feinstein's situation, do you think she retires or waits it out until 
the cycle is ending? Yeah, uh, good question, Sam. I think the best, uh, a good phrase is the best indicator of future performance is past performance. And everything we've seen from her so far says she's going to sit there as long as she intends to. So I think that will probably continue. And then uh, we have several strong candidates running, and uh, it seems, based on polling, it seems like neck and neck right now. So, um, you know, they kind of occupy different lanes. Like you have Adam Schiff, who's kind of the, call it the traditional Democrat. We have Katie Porter, who is kind of a, a newer Democrat who got, who got elected. And, you know, she uh, plays fast and hard on Twitter, for example. And, um, occupies that kind of space. The different that way, Barbara Lee is uh, a strong candidate for Northern California. Um, so you know, they'll, they'll run their campaigns. That you know, the, the metrics that all these campaigns are kind of judging themselves by right now is fundraising. And so we'll we'll see. You know, I, I believe it's June thirtieth is the next fundraising deadline, and uh, after about a month after that, I believe the numbers come out. We'll see. You know, who's winning the fundraising race. So. Um, and then more specifically towards you, who are you representing in this upcoming cycle? Um, so, uh, or your a, company? Right? Yeah, so there's there's a few candidates who haven't announced yet that we're having conversations with, but then we typically also um, work with uh, assembly Democrats, which is um, like in Congress. Um, there's what's called the DCCC, which is a uh, nationwide organization. It's funded by the Democrats in Congress, and so they, they sort of have almost what I term a portfolio of persons running for office for Congress. Uh, and so, of the uh, all the congressional seats in the country, uh, four four thirty five, four thirty five, is that right? Um, they'll invest in about fifty swing seats across the country, and then that might mean two or three or four in California. And so. Um, they want to see strong candidates running who uh, are raising great money and have good endorsements and aren't having any issues. Like uh, there was a prominent candidate for Congress in Orange County recently who got a DUI maybe a month ago. And so they want to avoid that kind of behavior. Um, and so they'll, and as I, I use the word portfolio because they manage a large fund of campaign dollars that they invest in different candidates. and. Um, they want to make smart investments and so similarly I work for assembly Democrats every cycle on one or two assembly races and uh, yeah so the, the, the clients are still coming together based on who runs for what and then uh, you know maybe I work on the Joe Biden re-election um, in 2018 uh, we or I'm sorry 2020 we worked in the state of Nevada uh, specifically in Las Vegas on, uh, on some of the stuff out there and it was fascinating um, and so, yeah, that's probably what the 2024 uh, cycle will uh, be for me. So Awesome. All right, now we're going to transition to something we're going to start calling like the lightning round. Mm, the lightning round. The lightning round. I, I hope that over, over time your podcast terminology improves, but we'll... Yeah, hopefully. No worries so, going up. Lightning round. It's kind of just personal questions. Does, does this mean I have to go fast? Or? Preferably, yeah. Okay. Uh, this means uh, this round, this segment is yes. it's kind of personal questions yeah. we're shifting away from politics just about you just so that our listeners can kind of understand who you are better mm. um, first question what's your favorite sports team and why kind of changes with the season is my honest answer Ooh. i have to admit it's what i'm staring at like really? so i think these nba playoffs have been terrific 
I, I think they have the best numbers they've had. I'm personally a basketball guy. It's my favorite sport. But I'm really having a tough time because I don't know what the heck's going on with the Celtics. And I um, am struggling. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but in uh, related positive news, my five-year-old daughter's uh, basketball team at Studio City Rec Center went undefeated. They gave us green jerseys, so we became the Celtics. Oh, yeah. And they had to turn off the clock or the scoreboard in every game because we went up by 20 or 30 points. So the other parents were ruthless. Irate that in Los Angeles, the Celtics were running the town. <laughs> That's their problem. All right. Um, on the food side of things, mm. your favorite restaurants in the LA area? My doctor recently told me I had to stop eating so much pasta. So uh, what's my favorite restaurants in the LA area? Uh, keep in mind, I live in like Hollywood Studio City area. So, um, there, there's a delivery place called Ann Waffles that delivers arguably the best breakfast burrito in town. Jack, I recently bumped into you in the wild. Prince Street. Prince Street Pizza. <laughs> What's um, your go-to order at Prince Street Pizza? You know, alright, so here's the deal. Once upon a time, there's huge lines there. It was a little off-putting. Now the lines yeah. are more manageable. You subsided. Yeah, I'll get, you know, it's kind of like, I guess they call it a square piece or something, but I'll get, um... They, they have a, a vodka sauce. I oh, think. I love that. Yeah. So it it's like the sp- orange one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's got a spice to it. Yep. That's what I like. It's good. I worked at a few pizza places growing up, so I consider myself a bit of an uh, expert, I guess. Consumer. And, yeah. But good question, Sam. Thank you. Last question Favorite place to travel or favorite place you've been ever? All right, guys. So here's the deal when you have kids, things change. Um, we, my favorite place to travel, you know, I'll, I'll go underrated. Um, I, I spent uh, a couple months in Morocco. Wow. Oh, Morocco. Check it out. I worked on a movie in Morocco. And so uh, they shoot all the exterior of movies that like are set in the Middle East in Morocco because it's actually a safe place to go. Yeah. Um, and you know, you get the exteriors of what you, what you need. Um, where else? I love London. Um, where do I, but there's some like underrated great cities in America. Like I mentioned in politics, Iowa is the most important state. It has been for Democrats, that may change, but it will continue to be for Republicans. Des Moines, Iowa is a great town. Des Moines. Punches above its weight. Um, I like going to the mountains, I snowboard a lot. I'm going to Mammoth tomorrow. I love Mammoth. Oh, wow. uh, but I'm going to Colorado, I'll go to Salt Lake City. Um, so I don't know, that's where I like to go. Awesome. Well. Thank you, Van Riper, for Thank coming on our first episode. Thank you. This is awesome. It was great. Thank you. Let's go watch the soccer game. It looks, it looks stressing for some. <laughs>
the younger Bush, mm-hmm. W. Clinton. Yes. George H.W. Yep. Reagan. Bang. Bang! Oh my god! Jackman point! You'd like to see it, baby. Um, my first question, easiest question maybe. Mm-hmm. When was the Declaration of Independence adopted? Ah! Uh, I'm gonna go 1776, is that true? Yeah, can you give me a day though? July 4th, 1776. Yep, easy. Alright. There you go, that's, that's bang. Alright, one to one. Question two, Jack, who is President Biden's first press secretary? In 2021, when he was sworn in. Oh. What was her name? I'll give you a quick. Her. What was her name? I know. I know what you're talking about, too. I'll, I'll be okay with the first or last. Either one. Does it start with a J? It does. <sighs> this is a harder question, but I think it's good. Nope. Okay. I'll give you the last name. Give me the last name. Is a Japanese drink. Is Sake? Sake. Jen Sake. Jen Sock. Are we counting that? No, we're not counting that. I'm that, not taking the that's point. An L, that's an L, that's Jack. That's an L point right there. That's good morals. I'm pissed at, I knew I knew the J. You knew the J. Good morals. Okay. One one still. Um <clears throat> Sam Greenberg. Mm-hmm. Can you name me two famous actors that had successful careers in politics after their acting career? Ended? I'm gonna go Arnold Schwarzenegger and I'm gonna go Ronald Reagan. Bang. That was that was pretty automatic. Alright, so you? it's two one. Two one Sam Greenberg. I um, have to get this. For the tie. Jack Stelford, name me two countries that border Ukraine other than Russia. Is that your Other than Russia. Blood. I do not know. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna scratch that question. No, we're not. I'm gonna take the L there. Because the I should know this. You should know this? Alright. I'm gonna take the L. Jack will Can I ask you the last question anyway? Of course. Who ran against George W in two thousand? Two thousand. We're going to go with Al Gore. Bang. And a controversial loss. GG's 3-1. GG's. That's a Sam Greenberg Sam point. Green, that's a Sam Greenberg gentleman sweep right there. Not a sweep. You got one. Gentleman sweep. Means oh, like yeah, you you're one. right. That's yep. what gentleman sweep means. Anyway, uh, so Greenberg gets a point for today, but I'm going to redeem myself next week. That is the end of episode one. Thank you, Brian Van Riper, for being on the show. Uh, Thank you to all who have listened to this. Fun times. Um, I know it's the first episode. We we do have a lot to work on, but yeah, of course we, we're gonna work on the mic. We're gonna make everything sharper, better. Yep, we're moving we're forward. Gonna, we'll see you next week. See you shortly.